Well, it was a rough week. We came home, and uh, here we are in this weather. But uh, yeah, the cruise was phenomenal, and some people have asked me what was my favorite part of the cruise, and uh, you can you can sit there and say, "Oh, the food was great," and everything else. Sorry, let me get all this untangled here. Uh, and the ports got changed, but honestly, for me, being a teacher, just standing up and talking to people about Jesus was my favorite part. And um, you can be praying, <laughs> you can be praying for those nine hundred people that were on the boat, because I think they're going back and telling their uh, pastor that the Ten Commandments wasn't written for them. <laughs> yeah, I went there with them. Uh, just to give them some new covenant theology there and um, just to, to, to kind of relieve them of that pressure. And you literally could hear as you walk down the halls a sigh of relief from these people that we've never heard this before. You know, and the crazy thing is, is, you know, Lynch teaches the same thing and Mercy Me and Tim Timmons and everybody else that was on there that sang... They all sing the same thing. We're all teaching the same message, so it's all, all week long. It's about Christ in you, the Spirit in you, doing it. And that you can literally understand that Sabbath rest is this right here. It's not just Sunday morning, but it's just breathing. And Christ doing life in you through His source, the Father. I literally... I'm able to teach because of Christ in me. If it's me up here, you're in trouble. And so uh, that's my prayer this morning is that it's, it's the word of the Lord that you hear rather than, than Rusty's word. So uh, we're going again next year. January, they uh, sold this one out and um, they decided to do it every year instead of every two years. Obviously, the movie was a success for them, and they're able to do that. So uh, if you want to go with us next year, I'd highly encourage you to get signed up quick because Bob Goff is going to be the uh, the main speaker next year, and 10th Avenue North is going as well, so it'll sell out pretty quick. Uh, but it's just a great week. It's like Luke said, just it's the time to relax and chill out and absolutely eat good food. Rick? On Thursday night, my waiter served me three lobster tails, just so you know. <laughs> and I ate them all. So, that no, was good. It's a good trip. But it is good to be home. Uh, and then I just look forward to this week of shoveling snow and uh, everything else. Negative three, a high on Wednesday, they're predicting. So, uh, welcome home, right? It's all good. Uh we left, I left Jesus on the cross for like the last month, and then I skipped town, and uh, today I'd like to get him off of the cross, at least into the tomb. We won't get him raised from the dead yet, but we'll at least get him into the tomb today. So, uh, somebody hit the lights or something so I can <laughs> actually read my Bible. Uh, we left two, two weeks ago... Uh, with the legend of Azel, which was the scapegoat, the scapegoat that when 
they did the Passover meal, they actually had two goats, one that they sacrificed and then one that they actually let go and it had a ribbon tied around its horns and that ribbon was red and eventually it would turn white and then all of a sudden, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, which would have put it at 30 AD, the same year that Jesus was crucified, that piece of cloth, that ribbon that was tied to the scapegoat, no longer changed colors. That's because the blood of the bulls and the goats wasn't as effective anymore because Jesus' blood had been poured out. His blood had been poured out, and now forgiveness comes through Jesus' blood. The atonement, the covering, only I think they're in the back, if you guys are looking for the lights, aren't they? I'll preach in the dark. All right? It's all good. Don't worry about it. Thank you. Uh, so now, forgiveness, forgiveness has only come through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the bulls and goats, it only covered. It was only an atonement. Jesus' blood surely forgives. And so here we are. I'm skipping around a lot today. I'm skipping around a lot today. So uh, you just hang with me. I'm in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all day today. Seriously, this is Matthew 27. Uh, verse 51. Suddenly the curtain, the veil, which we talked about a few weeks ago, of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked. You can literally go back in history and see all the times that the earthquake have occurred, according to history. And there was a major earthquake that occurred record shows in Turkey at this time during 30 AD. It was a major earthquake that was recorded. It said the earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints had fallen asleep were raised. This would make a great movie, right? Teenagers like this kind of stuff. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city and appeared to many. That sounds like zombies were walking the streets of Jerusalem, doesn't it? That's just weird. And you try to explain this, and you can read commentaries. Matthew's the only one that refers to this occurrence that's happening. But I'm assuming that this was local believers in Jerusalem the cemeteries around Jerusalem. When I say local believers, they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And most likely they had recently died. Now now here's where you get into a little bit of change. The King James Version or the New American Standard or the one that I just read from you, which is the Christian Standard Bible, they all agree that they were raised at Jesus' death. These... Believers were raised at Jesus' death, but they didn't come out of their tombs until Jesus was resurrected on Sunday. That seems kind of weird. The NIV actually says that they were raised and they came out of their tombs, but they didn't go into Jerusalem 
until Jesus was resurrected. There's just a slight difference there. Still weird. Dead people raising and walking around. So when Jesus then was resurrected eventually on Sunday, these people walked among the people of Jerusalem. And all that did was say, look at the power of our God who has resurrection power. Not only Jesus, but the believers in Jesus came to life. Sounds creepy, but it had to have been awesome. Especially if it was one of your family members. And the whole hanging out in the tomb thing, just remember it was Passover. So therefore, there were no Jews at the cemeteries at this point, because if they had gone to the cemeteries, they would have been defiled. So literally, they could have raised from the dead and hung out in the cemetery for three days and nobody would have even known it because nobody was there. It was Passover. It says in verse 54, when the centurion, this would be a Roman soldier. You go back to verse 48, there was a Roman soldier that offered Jesus a drink. He refused. I I don't know, can't confirm, but I would guess that it was this same centurion that's standing there in verse 54 that was in 48. It says, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, let's look at Luke 23 Verse 47 says, when the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God. This is, this is a Roman soldier, not a Jew. He was a Roman. It says, all of a sudden, he began to glorify God, saying, this man really was righteous. In some of your translations, it says, he was innocent. He knew. He saw through all the religious trials. He saw through all the decisions that were made by the Jews. He saw the decisions that were made by Pilate. He saw through it all, and he knew that Jesus was on the cross and that he was innocent. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four. if you go there, it says they were terrified. Go back there, and it says they were terrified and said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Not only is he innocent, but he began to give glory to God and recognize him for who he truly was. Go back to Luke 23, verse 48. It says, all the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, went home striking their chests. That sounds goofy, but that's what you did when you grieved in those days. You literally ripped your clothes and struck your chest. Well, who's doing that? I believe that it was all the people that were calling for Barabbas to be released. Once all this occurred, an earthquake occurred, the centurion says, this man was innocent, he was truly the son of God. All those that called for Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas to be freed, they were filled with grief. They realized that they had done something wrong at this point. 
and they're all standing around the cross. I go to Mark chapter 15, verse 40. It says, There were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, or the less, James the less, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem. Don't forget that when we started this study, and we were all the way back in chapter 8 of Luke, chapter 8 of Luke, it talked about these women and how they supported Jesus and how did they support him financially. It was the women who supported this ministry. Like they fed the disciples, they took care of any ministry needs that they had. These women who are now standing there at the foot of cross knew that it was better to give than to receive. And this is what they did, and they were there to the last day of Jesus Christ. Go to Luke chapter 23, verse 49. It says, But all who knew him, including the women, had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Back to Matthew 27, verse 55. Verse 55, he says, Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there, watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. I sat there and went through all four books, looked at the list of the names. What name is missing? There's a name that's missing. It's Mary. Jesus' own mother is missing. She's not there. Why isn't she listed? Because one of the last things that Jesus said, Mary, this is your son to John. John, this is your mother. Take her to your home and take care of her. I'm assuming that's what happened here, is that John took Mary, Jesus' mother, to his home and began to minister to her. And then, of course, I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22. It says, if anyone is found guilty, this is the law, you realize this, this is the law of the Old Testament. If anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and it's executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. Hmm. You must not defile the land of the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. If a man is buried on a tree, or not buried, if a man is hung on a tree 
it was important that he was taken down before sundown according to the law. And then I would say this, based upon what I just read here out of Deuteronomy chapter 21, you realize that Jesus had to hang on a tree. If they would have stoned him, if they would have stoned him, he wouldn't be the Savior. He literally, to fulfill prophecy, had to hang on a tree rather than be stoned. Now I'll take you to John chapter 19, verse 31. They've, Jesus has died. They've got to get him off of the cross. It says, since it was preparation day, the Jews did not want the bodies to remain on the cross on the Sabbath, as we just read in Deuteronomy. For that Sabbath was a special day. That Sabbath was a special day. They requested that Pilate have the men's legs broken and that their bodies be taken away. Let me read from you the historian Edersheim says this. He says, the Sabbath about to open was a high day. It was a special day. It was both a Sabbath and the second Paschal day. Edersheim is a Jew who's unredeemed and doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but he's sitting here explaining everything that we've taught over the last few weeks that this weekend of the Passover weekend was special because not only was it the sacrificial day, but it was the Paschal day, which was regarded as in every respect equally sacred with the rest. Saturday was just as special as Friday was. So now they want to get him off the cross because... He has to get off before sundown. What do you have to do? You have to break their legs. Well, why do you have to break their legs? If they're being crucified, well, I don't know if you know how crucifixion works. Most of you in here probably do. But if you're hanging by your arms, your feet are nailed to the cross, those are your only three support points. And you're literally hanging there, and if you've ever been hung by your arms, you can't breathe. You can't breathe. So the only way that you can get a breath is if you push up on your feet. Grab a breath and go back down. This was the process that they did on the cross. I don't want to get real gruesome with you, but I guarantee you that was not a finished piece of wood. And they had been beaten, bleeding, almost to the point of their skin being removed, and they're literally pushing themselves up on this cross, getting a breath and coming back down, and they did this all day long. So they said, we've got to get them off before sundown, so let's go ahead and break their legs. Then they can't push up on their legs anymore. They can't get a breath, and they will suffocate. says, verse 32, So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other one who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs since they saw that he was already dead. Thus again, fulfilling prophecy because it says, not a single bone will be broken. 
they broke the other two, but didn't break Jesus' legs. Fulfilling prophecy. It says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. I believe that it was specifically written that the blood came out first and water second. Some people believe that was just symbolization of Jesus dying from a broken heart. It says in verse 35, He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. For these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken. That was fulfillment of Exodus twelve forty six, Numbers nine twelve, and Psalm thirty four twenty. Jesus fulfilled prophecy. Verse thirty seven. It says also another scripture says, "They will look at the one they pierced." This is in reference to Zechariah chapter twelve verse ten, where it says, "Then I will pour out." a spirit of grace on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. Even though it talks about they will look at the one who is pierced, that prophecy right there is not talking about that very moment. Because we know that the Jews weren't looking at Jesus as their beloved. This verse right here in Zechariah obviously has to talk about in the future when Jesus returns and that all the Jews will understand that Jesus is the Messiah. I'll take you to Mark chapter 15, verse 42. Jumping all around. It says, When it was already evening, because it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph of Arimathea. He was an interesting man. He was a Jew. He was part of the Sanhedrin. But I believe that he knew Jesus was the Messiah. Watch this. Matthew 27, 57. It says, When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea, talking about Joseph, named Joseph who came, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus, one of the Sanhedrin, a Jewish leader, of the nation was a disciple of Jesus. He actually, so don't sit here and say that the Jews didn't, some of them did. So now we've seen a Roman centurion guard that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and now we've seen a, a Jewish member of the Sanhedrin as a believer. It says he approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. Go to John chapter 19, verse 38. Verse 38, it says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, 
who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, but secretly because of his fear of the Jews. Oh, wait, did you catch that? He was a disciple of Jesus, but he didn't let anybody know that he believed Jesus was the Messiah because he was afraid of his own peers, what they would do to him. He says he asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took his body away. Go back to Luke 23, verse 50. It says, there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. wonder why he was good and righteous. He says, a member of the Sanhedrin who had not agreed with their plan and their action. You know what that just told me right there? Is that when they actually had the religious trial for Jesus on Thursday night, Joseph of Arimathea, a righteous man, a disciple of Jesus, was not there. He wasn't there or he would have spoken up against it. He was not involved. Not present at Jesus' religious trial. It says he was from Arimathea, a Judean town, and was looking forward to the kingdom of God. Go to Mark chapter 15, verse 44. It says, Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died. When he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. Joseph actually received Jesus' body. Now, what day of the week was this? Do you know? It's Friday, right? He was crucified on Friday. It was before sundown. Jesus actually was dead part of Friday. That's important for you to know. Not the whole day on Friday, but part of Friday. Let me read to you from the Talmud. The Talmud is a a book that was written around 300-400 A.D., The Mishnah was already written, and then they added history to the Mishnah. But this is, again, written from the context of unredeemed, non-believing Jews. They said this, On the eve of the Passover, Yeshu, who's Yeshu? That would be Jesus. This is an unredeemed, non-believing Jewish writing. On the eve of the Passover, Yeshu was hanged. For 40 days before the execution took place, a herald went forth and cried, He is going forth to be stoned because he practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. This this is history that's written 400 years later by unredeemed Jews, and it so lines up with the gospel because we go back to Matthew chapter 12 when he healed the person who uh, was was demon-possessed and couldn't speak, and they literally said, you're doing this under the spirit of Beelzebub. It says, any one of you who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. But since nothing was brought forward in the favor, he was hanged on the eve of the Passover. 
He was hanged on the eve of the Passover, talking about Saturday being that special high day, the Paschal. Another man added, and the eve of the Sabbath. You go back, it fits exactly with Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 12, that I've already read to you. I'll read it again. It says, if anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave this corpse on the tree overnight, but you are to bury him that day, and for anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. Jesus took on the sin of the world and became God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God giving you as an inheritance. They had to get his body down before sundown on Friday so that the law could be observed. Go to John chapter 19, verse 38. It says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, i read it again, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Nicodemus, he was a Jew, yet he came with Joseph of Arimathea to help bury Jesus. Nicodemus was also a disciple of Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 15, verse 46. Mark chapter 15, verse 46. It says, After he bought some linen cloth, Joseph took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Go to John 19. Verse 39, it says, Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body, wrapped it in a linen cloth with the fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden, and no one had yet been placed in it. Like, They literally shared tombs. But Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. He had his own tomb. And nobody had been buried in it before. And he was willing to say, I give up my tomb for my Savior, for my disciple. Go to Matthew 27, 60. We're almost there. We're almost done. says, hang on, hang with me, I can't see, and he placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Luke 23, 54 then says this, it says, It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. He is in the ground part of the day on Friday. Going back to Mark 15, 47. The reason I'm doing this is because you take it all and you put it in chronological order, and you can see exactly how this day plays out. 
Mark 15, verse 47 says this. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of of Joseph, were watching where he was laid. Luke 23, 55. It says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they turned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. They purchased these spices the day before the Sabbath. Now they have got Jesus off the cross and in the tomb, and the ladies have come, and they've once again spent their money and prepared Jesus in this tomb. You're going to have to come back next week for us to put the stone in front of the tomb, but I promise you, I'll get him out of the tomb next Sunday, all right? I promise you. Is it going to be a glorious day when Jesus raises from that, that, that tomb, but you're just going to have to wait one more week, all right? Just bear with me. Father, I thank you for uh, your word and that we sit here today and we can piece this together and we can have a very clear picture of how all prophecy was fulfilled, how the law was fulfilled through your death on the cross and how you provided for us. I pray that your word comes alive to your people, to your children, to me, that we can see clearly. So, Lord, thank you for your life. Thank you for your life in us. Thank you that we can enjoy this world abundantly. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.